documented 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. As Apollo 11 does its roll program, this podcast now does its roll program. The tape is rolling. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Grant Cameron, and you're listening to the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. Thank you for taking time from your life to be here. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world today, tonight, this morning. This is Grant Cameron. I'm joined by my assistant, Sinead Wellahan, out of Toronto. How are you doing, Sinead? I'm doing great. Thank you, Grant. How are you today? Fine. Are you excited about our guest tonight? Absolutely. Absolutely. We do do a lot of consciousness stuff, and we have Caroline Corey here, who's an award-winning filmmaker, executive producer, and founder of the Omnian. Hang on. My stupid thing here is... Uh, Omnium Media as a child and throughout her life, Corey has numerous ESP and precognitive experiences which led her to become deeply connected to existential topics, the study of consciousness and the mechanics of the universe. In 2010, Corey founded Omnium Medium and entertainment and media platform which tackles thought-provoking topics on the human condition and the nature of reality. In addition to writing and producing, Corey continues to lecture and coach internationally on various mind over matter subjects and appears regularly as a guest on supernatural phenomena at major conferences and television shows, including such popular series as The Unexplained with William Shatner, who I believe is Canadian, and the History Channel's The Ancient Aliens. Good evening, Carolyn. Hey, Grant. Thanks for having me. Beautiful. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm quite excited to have you on. We've, we've been on a couple of uh, events together. We're, we're, we're both doing a con- a conscious um, contact in the desert. So maybe you, we can start by you talking about what you're um, going to be talking about at uh, contact. Yeah, I like to always connect the ufology topic to consciousness, because that's really, to me, that's the bottom line of everything, of all of experience. So, and that's been my life work. So, so at Contact in a Desert, I'm going to talk, I'm going to do a talk, um, probably with Tom Campbell, I'll have to see um, about um, how consciousness interacts with the physical world and uh, how we can use it, how we can use uh, certain tools to kind of improve our lives, what, what that really means in practical terms. I'm going to do a workshop um, where I would lead people into a regression because uh, I'm sure you know, a lot of people have different types of weird experiences, missing time, abduction, or just a trauma, like something happened, they don't know what it is. So I'm gonna guide them through 
in experiential regression. I'm also going to do an intensive and I'm going to teach people how to communicate with ETs. So, because I have my own methodology, I've been doing it since I'm five. So I'm going to share that um, and teach people how to do that. Okay. So let's go to when you're five, like um, ETs, you've seen the article today, the New York Times is stating there's no proof that this is ET. There are experience, there are UFO sightings by the military, but um, no proof that it's ET. So um, can you, can you go through your experience, how you got involved in this and um, who you've dealt with and how they've helped you in your life? Yeah. So when I was five, I was there. I remember it was Christmas Eve. And so I was looking, my parents were doing the Christmas tree and the gifts and, you know, so I'm five years old looking at all these people wondering, what does this have to do with Christmas? Like, what is Christmas? Like, what is, you know, I'm just kind of asking these questions and noticing that these adults were kind of fighting, you know, arguing. And I was like, wait, isn't this supposed to be about love? Isn't this? So I was noticing the, the emotions of humans that love was missing. So as I was saying, where's love? Where's love? All of a sudden, this huge kind of body of light uh, beings just showed up right there. And they started talking to me telepathically. So I could hear them, see them, sense them. It was very organic. It was very natural. I didn't have to kind of do anything. And it certainly wasn't scary. If anything, it was very familiar. And the most important thing was it was all about love. It was that energy, this encompassing, you know, like blanket of love. So it was very comfortable. So I kind of went with it and they start telling me that um, they've been with me. They will be with me my whole life. Um, and that we're kind of the same. They showed me that I was on this side of the veil in physical form and they were kind of me on the other side. And that was so important because I kind of understood at a very young age that when we come in the physical body, like we don't stop, we don't sever any sort of spirit, consciousness, whatever it is, connection. It's always there. And that's what I was able to experience through them. And also I was able to see how communi uh, telepathic communication worked because I could see that they were kind of transferring a whole concept like from their consciousness into my brain. And, and then my brain would then kind of decode what that concept was. It's kind of like a zip drive. Like they would send the zip drive that would then unzip in my physical brain. And my brain was making sense of it because they don't speak English or French or Chinese. They, it, it, it's telepathic, it's a concept. And so because the, you know, the experience was very organic, very natural, and I understood this, I felt, I experienced these, these things myself, it wasn't an intellectual thing, it kind of stayed with me. It's, 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 it's kind of a cellular thing. You, you know it, it happened. You, you, nobody can tell you otherwise, you know? And so, so because of that, uh, after they left, um, I kept feeling them and knowing that they were connected to me. And I started asking the question, but wait, how did that happen? <laughs> how is it possible that nobody around me could see them or hear them? What did my brain have to do to get there? 
to telepathically communicate or to see them. So as I'm asking these questions, I realized I'm talking about consciousness. I'm talking about the mechanics of consciousness. And so that was the very first experience I had that got me on this long journey uh, to try to understand how consciousness interacts you know, between beings, but physical, non-physical, visible, non-visible, any sort of connection, communication, but also interacts with the physical world. So, so after that, of course, as I was growing up, um, I'm going on and on. Should I keep going? <laughs> keep going, yeah, no. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, so as I was growing up, I, I, I had other experiences. I would see other beings and I would interact with them organically. I knew exactly who they were without them telling me anything. So how does that work? How is it possible? Um, I would see things before they would happen. I would know something about someone without them telling me. So all of these organic experiences also started to, I mean, they got validated. So like the next day, the thing would happen, or sometimes I would see thing on the other side of the wall that I, you know, I didn't know existed and it would be there. So that validation kept me going, kept me kind of wanting to know, okay, I'm not crazy. <laughs> you know, that there's something going on. I don't know how it's happening, but it is happening. And so that's why I, I studied psychology, you know, I, I, in college, you know, to make sure I wasn't crazy, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like, wait, maybe I'm, I'm schizophrenic or it's gotta be something wrong with my brain, you know, but, um, but of course not, it was none of that. Um, I, then I realized, you know, instead of thinking I'm doing something wrong, maybe I'm doing something right. And so, so I started to develop methodologies. I would train myself to do certain things, to understand how I did it, to get to what result. And so basically fast forward 20 years later, <laughs> working with hundreds of people around the world, you know, developing methodologies for meditation, for self-healing and all sorts of stuff. I guess I've become <laughs> knowledgeable enough to talk about it to, you know, um, so here I am. Beautiful. Sinead, go ahead. Yeah, Caroline, so you were saying that you um, had your first or in this lifetime first ET contact when you were five years old. And now you've gotten to know other ETs and have built different kinds of relationships with them. So I want to ask you something because this, this may seem like, you know, I think this is one of those deceptively simple questions that actually has a lot more to it because of the way that things are evolving in the community right now and the way that we are experiencing the paranormal and experiencing uh, high strangeness, whatever you want to call it, and ETs is also evolving and changing quite a bit. Grant has talked about that extensively in his research, how people are perceiving ETs or UFOs um, is changing almost generationally. So how do you experience ETs? Like what, what is an ET to you? And what do you know about them so far? Because I think people have this very sort of concrete idea that an ET, the most common one is that they're a gray, right? But there's so much more uh, depth to the, who they are and to what they are and where they come from. So could you share with us what an ET is to you? What does that mean to you? 
Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question because, um, you know, like you said, when you talk about ET, everybody thinks it's those little gray guys or, you know, we hear about reptilians and things like that. But so my first experience was none of that. It was, these were, I don't want to say angelic, but they were, I want to, I want to say they're universal beings. They didn't have bodies, but they were pure consciousness. What do you call that? So, so because that was my first experience, it already opened me up to all kinds of possibilities. And so I would call extraterrestrial anything that is non-human. And that includes, so those beings, obviously. And then after that, I started to encounter different types of beings. In fact, I talk about it and I show, um, you know, the different categories, if you will, different types in my movie, Among Us. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, And also in my books. So later on, I would see, I would encounter beings that were material. So this is when I realized, oh, wait, the greys or the reptilians or the Pleiadians or whatever, they actually have a, a physical chemistry. It's not human but they do have a physical body. So there's a whole category of beings that are, I call evolutionary. And I understood that their consciousness needs to be in a physical form. It take on any form, a Martian, a, you know, a human, obviously, in order for them to evolve. Then there were other beings, for example, the angelic, the seraphic order, they don't take on human body. They don't take on any physical form in order to evolve their consciousness. They just stay in that sort of consciousness state and interact with humans or other evolutionary material type beings uh, the way they are. They don't have to take on a physical form. Then I would meet other types of beings that I call uh, their galactic light beings. So they're kind of both. They're kind of, they do have a humanoid shape, but they're made of light. So they don't have um, uh, like a, a digestive system. They don't have organs the way an evolutionary or material type being does, but they do have systems and it's all energetic and they do have limbs and arms and things like that. And then there are other types of, I mean, I can go on and on, but there are other types of beings that are more mm, energy patterns. Like they, they are responsible for moving energy, um, you know, like in many different in many different ways. So for example, they interact with us within the uh, earth magnetic field. So they're responsible for um, shifting or moving the magnetic field of a planet. These are actual beings. They're not, they don't have limbs. They don't, they're, they never take on a human form, never, ever. So, um, but they're, they look like rods actually. And so, so these are actual beings and they work with the intelligence um, and the, the brain, so to speak, of planets. So, so, you know, planet Earth, for example. There are other types of beings that I call the life architects. These are kind of the scientists of the universe. They are responsible for uh, creating a kind of uh, um, creating DNA. Uh, they create the DNA of a future uh, species, an evolutionary species that, it's going, that is going to inhabit a planet. Uh, 
So the evolutionary type beings are a type of uh, material beings, and, and it's, it's a type of DNA that's very, very different than the angelic or this or that. So there are many, many different categories of types of beings. And to me, they're all extraterrestrial because they're not, you know, except, except obviously, um, you know, like the human, you know, obviously, uh, the material type beings uh, that are non-human, they're still, you know what I mean? So, so it's a, it's a very wide and complex way, um, uh, category of types of beings, but there are only cer certain types that are present on earth, uh, obviously, um, you know, interdimensionally, or that are relevant to the human story. I mean, there are beings that have nothing to do with planet Earth. They're doing stuff at a solar level, at a solar system level, galactic level. Um, you know, they're actually creating or, or kind of responsible for moving um, different planets and collapsing things together. You know, there's nothing to do with humans. They don't, you know, so anyway, it's kind of a long answer, but I think it's important because it usually people think, oh, it's only, you know, Palladians or something. There is so much more. And I have encountered them myself. And that is the reason why I, I can, I know their signature. It's very, they're all very, very, very different. And they perform very specific tasks. Can I ask you in terms of, because a lot of people will hear this and, um, they'll bring up the fact like, well, I'd love to talk to an ET. I would love why have you got so many contacts? Do you think there is a uh, soul contract? Do you think this is part of your mission on earth? And what's different between you and somebody who sort of every day says, boy, I, you know, I, I, if I'd believe it, if I could actually talk to one alien one time, what would you say to them? Yeah. I mean, I asked the question myself. In fact, when I first had the experience, you know, people think like, it's just very easy. It happens to you and you just take it for granted. That's not true. The first thing that happens, you question yourself. You go, wait, did I make, did this just happen? Did I make it up? Well, what if I made it up? So, so that's why I was saying earlier, you know, it takes a long, I mean, for me anyway, it took a long time for me to accept the fact that I was doing it and I was doing it correctly and I was making stuff up and so on and so forth. But once I got to that point, I asked the question. So, I mean, it's so easy and natural for me is why isn't everybody doing it? Exactly that. And as I started training, first of all, I understood my own story. And I remember actually, before even I came here, I, I was already kind of remembering what, where I came from and how I got here actually. So, so I, I, I thought that was, it was kind of the main purpose for me to learn how to do, to do this at a young age and to stay with it so that I can teach it to others. So I can show it's possible and this is how it's possible. That's why I was interested in the mechanics of it, the mechanism, as opposed to just going and channeling and giving channeling messages. Cause it, it, I mean, that's helpful, but I want people to do it for themselves. I want people to figure it out. So, so I know for a fact that the reason why it stayed with me and it happened to me at a young age is for me to be able to train and help others with the process. Uh, so, but then to answer the second part of your question, as I was training people, people would say exactly that. Well, wait, I want to just like be able to 
talk to any ET at any time, you know? And so as I'm training people and kind of guiding them through the process, they would say, I want this. But as they're saying this, their subconscious mind is going, oh my God, what if I hear something weird? What if, what if I, what if, what if I realize that I'm like a weird reptilian or something? What if I, I mean, I could see all their fears, you know, all their blocks just come up. And so the fact that people want this, it doesn't mean that they really want it on even a subconscious level. So I started, the first thing I do is first of all, bring up everything that's coming up for you before you even try. So, so that's the reason why people say it, but they don't know how to do it properly. I love that, Caroline. I love that you you bring up the, the the most challenging thing, right? The thing that we tend to avoid the most that we want to address last. You know, it's like the most unappealing vegetable on your plate. You don't want to look at your fear first. You don't want to exactly. Look at your- and also, sometimes when I work with people, I see that they did have an experience when they were kids, a very like kind of like mine, maybe not exactly, but similar. And sometimes the experience is actually positive. It's not scary but it still blocks them. It still is traumatizing because they can't make sense out of it. Mm -hmm. And so they block their ability to keep that communication um, pathway open, even though their experience was actually positive. So there's something, don't forget also, we grow up as humans, not trained to do any of that. Yes. You're not supposed to talk to things that aren't there. You're not supposed to have imaginary friends, you know? So that that's there's all kinds of stuff that come into play. It's not just that, you know, people don't want to do it or can't do it. Yeah, I mean, I was just you, you're making me think about how um, we we really do our human nature really do really does make us like to put things into nice neat categories or boxes or you know categorize them organize them in such a way that they become familiar less threatening to us more known more accessible right that's how we generally like to have things we like to have our ducks in a row and here we are in this field where uh, it's a giant mystery and every, you know, lots of people can say that they know what's going on, but there are very few people who really do know what's going on and can tell the rest of us what's happening and kind of help to guide us along a path. So in terms of that, um, jumping off what you were saying about fear, but also, um, the practical, the practical approach that you have towards what you're teaching and your own personal practice and how you've gotten here, how you've gotten to this place. Um, what do you think the role of perception in is in how our own consciousness uh, interacts with that of extraterrestrial beings who are coming to visit with us or interact with Earth in some way. How do you think that our perception comes into play? Because Grant and I talk quite a lot about uh, well, consciousness specifically, but also how consciousness is is a very huge, very enormous, in, encompassing, interconnected concept, but also manifests very individually, you know, in, in different people. <clears throat> and that our mindset, our worldview, our fears, our experiences all color the way that we experience anything. So when, when ETs arrive, you were talking, for example, about beings who are made of energy or made of light, do not have physical bodies. Yet, for example, angels, right? Those beings could appear, but we still see them as being something of a human form, or we have 
we see them in a particular way and then there are patterns with how people tell those stories, you know, commonalities and how those stories are told depending on what kind of being people are experiencing. So how do you think that perception and consciousness interplay and then expanding on that a little bit, how do how does our human consciousness, our human perspective interplay with that extraterrestrial one that's coming in and trying to engage with us right now? And always yeah, I mean, to me, to me, uh, the perception uh, that you're talking about um, is what I refer to as the belief systems that we have, and, or that we don't know we have. <laughs> you know, on a subconscious level. You know, growing up, we hear our parents talk about angel in a certain way, or you know, we think all angels have have wings. That's not true. In fact, the life architects have massive wings, but a, a lot of the the seraphic order they don't have wings. So, so going to perception or belief systems that we already are. Uh, we already have preconceived ideas, um, you know, consciously or unconsciously, so that. By the time we say we want to communicate, we come with this bag, you know, with this baggage, so to speak. And of course, the experience is going to be colored. So that's why, to me, that is the process of discernment. How do I know? That's what I was saying earlier. How do I know I didn't make it up? How did I know? How do I know? You know, I'm, you know, so discernment is the most important thing. How do you discern? You have to decide, develop the whole series just on that, because that is the biggest problem. Because if we, if we think the angel should look like this and we see somebody like this, there is no way of knowing. Do I see him with, with this that way? Because I already knew somewhere that he should look like this. You see what I mean? It's a vicious circle. And so the first step, is to be able to bypass your human uh, functioning. You think in a linear, you know, our physical brains function linearly. Like right now, you know, I'm, you're, you're, when you talk to me, my physical brain is, is kind of understanding the English words you're telling me. And then I have to think of words to use. That. So I'm like, my brain is firing, you know, in different parts to pick up uh, in, in a cognitive way, what you said and what I should be saying and stuff like that. So it, this is very linear because it's the brain is firing this way. What I'm talking about is an entire a new way that the brain should receive information. So to me, you have to switch from linear brain functioning to a full brain functioning so that the brain becomes completely whole and it, it, it connects to the information as a whole. So it becomes, it's cognitive, it's mental, it's emotional, it's spiritual, it's organic, it's cellular, it's experiential. You experience the information. You don't hear it or understand it. You experience the information. And so that is when you know that what you saw or what you experienced is real and it, it wasn't made up. So how, do you see what I mean? So of course there are some clues. So for example, um, sometimes I would see beings that I've never heard of before. In fact, the ones that I mentioned, nobody talks about some of the beings that I talk about. So, so I mean, when I first saw them, like the life architects, the universal you know, messengers, some people talk about the Melchizedek's, but anyway. So when I first encountered these beings, I had no frame of reference. Like I had, you know, if I, if I see a gray, everybody talks about gray. So it'll be like, okay, you know, 
yeah. But but when you see a, a consciousness that you've never, you have no frame of reference, there's already that's already an indication that you know it's it's something that's coming to you. You didn't make it up. That's one thing. But there is a way to also consciously train yourself to bypass your human linear functioning, which is through, again, the meditation techniques that I teach and, and to kind of, you know, switch, switch again, like you will feel it. It's an experience. It's a meditation. Um, and if I guided you through it, which is what I'm going to do at contact in the desert for, you know, so, so you will feel how your brain is now receiving the information like from all directions of time space and you know the information you experience the information so there's no way anybody can tell you it's right or wrong it it just is because it's almost like your cells you being the exact same formula the exact same configuration as the universe itself when you are in that state of consciousness and you pick up information from the universe, you actually, it's coherent with something that's already in your cells, if that makes sense. So that's why when that coherence happens inside you and outside of you, it becomes one. And that's, that's when you know you're, it's 100%, you're discerning the truth and not your interpretation of what tr the truth should look like. That kind of reminds me of what you said uh, a little while ago about your first experience. Of, I think it was your first, the first being you ever encountered, yeah. the first beings, when you, you said that they explained to you that you were on one side of the veil and they are like you, but on the other side. So it's as if you're a reflection of yourselves. And I imagine that, that there must have been some feeling already of familiarity and that would allow for a connection to come and an understanding and a relationship to form because the connection's already, the energy is already there. The vibration kind of recognizes itself in each one of you. Yeah, and at five years old, I'm sorry, nobody teaches you telepathy, <laughs> you know? So, so that's also why you know what happened to you is real. You know what I mean? Nobody teaches you, you know, oh, you can come in. In fact, they teach you, they teach you the opposite. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody teaches you that, oh, someday you could come across some light beings who are invisible or, you know what I mean? And so when it just, it, it also, it almost like takes over your body. You know, and so that's why this, these are the times where, you know, uh, it is real. You did make it up. But as I said, um, with time, I wanted to know, can I do this consciously, deliberately? How do I do it deliberately to make sure it's not fake? It's not, you know, it's not a projection, but to have this organic uh, experience. And that's the training and that's the work that I've been doing my whole life. Can I ask you, you know, the controversy that's going on now about the uh, disclosure and uh, people are playing the fear card and all this kind of stuff. What's your interpretation of the, the answer to the question? What is the intelligence doing here? Why are we interacting at this time? Do they have messages? Why are they here? How do you explain uh, our interaction with whatever this phenomenon is? I think there's a, there are many different levels of what's happening. You know, there's a political level, uh, you know, a, a social level, you know what I mean? And then there is, you know, kind of uh, 
uh, an organic people who are asking for truth. So in um, emotional level, spiritual level. So what I'm saying is, you know, it's happening on many levels for different reasons. So the most obvious one, like the most kind of like in your face or on the surface is obviously the political reason, you know? So when you have all of a sudden the DOD, uh, the Pentagon saying this and the Navy guys saying that and all these things leaking, (laughs) I know I can tell you there is an agenda on a political level. I mean, they think we're stupid. It's okay, but we're not (laughs) if anybody's listening or care and it doesn't matter. The same with the whole, you know, whether it's pandemic or whatever, it's just part It's the next step of the story of now, how can we make, how can we keep the people in fear? So let's create some other big global, you know, things so we can justify the task force and the space force or whatever force or whatever, and get more money. I mean, you know, so on that level, to me, it is so obviously clear and the timing, I think we went from the pandemic keeping us you know, kind of, and, you know, encapsulated and isolated and in total fear. And this is kind of the next global. So that's how I see on that level, why things are coming up um, in this way. Um, If we can keep going, yeah, it's about globalization. It's about, I mean, you know, shall I keep going with that? I think we all know the story. But um, on another level, that's what's so fast—it's so fascinating, because as the kind of political and this whole agenda-driven people are kind of tricking us into thinking uh, that we should be in fear or this is what's happening. No, 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 that's what's happening. No, 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 no. You should look here. No, 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 no. Look there. You know, like this whole confusing thing. It's so interesting because they think that that is uh, leading to more control and more separation. When in fact, at the same time, I think it's leading to a unification. Like this is the undercurrent of what's really happening on this spiritual consciousness experiential level. And at this level, does that make sense, uh, Grant? So on this level, I think it's people like you and Sunit and I and though you know us who are triggering all this chaos on the outside for everybody to see that those in power don't know what they're talking about you know so so we're triggering that picture they think they are creating the picture but actually actually I think we are creating that picture does that make sense yes to really bring up the chaos in such a big kind of dramatic way, like theatrical way, you know, for everyone to see that nobody really knows what they're talking about. So I feel like us, the people who are really a heartfelt wanting to work with humanity's evolution and consciousness expansion and things like that. I think we're, like I said, we're responding, we're creating that as a, as a cover, I mean, cover, not cover, as, as kind of the, while we are actually bringing up truth. Uh, and so I feel like that level of disclosure uh, has already happened. As you know, many, many people have been talking about, you know, encounters and, and, uh, and this is the level of, of um, ex- uh, disclosure that is yet to come. 
You know what I mean? I don't think whatever that report is going to say, we already know what it's going to say. New York Times told us what it's going to say. I mean, it was like in black and white, like don't expect anything. You know, some stuff is declassified. The good stuff is going to be classified. So that's that. And and it's aliens. No, it's not aliens. It's our technology. No, it's not. So basically we already know what this report is. But so to me, that's not, that's the fake disclosure. But the real disclosure, which is led by by people like us, I think that is yet to come. I think it's after this whole, um, you know, drama is going to play out. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is there an awakening, though, in the last, say, 20 years in terms of consciousness awakening? And is there an increase in sort of uh, people having encounters, having experiences and stuff like that? Or, Or is that? something we're just sort of seeing for ourselves to me yeah no that's what i mean that's what i'm seeing that's what i'm saying there's more and more of awareness going on much much more but i'm saying yeah so this increase is timely and this is going to be the real disclosure uh after you know the circus is, is over with uh and what that could look like is a lot more organic and a lot more real Uh, but we have to fast forward i think still a few years i think not not before 2026 until this thing plays out a little bit and i think this is where real extraterrestrials may show up and real like much more real evidence will become will start to surface do do you believe you mentioned before you're born do you believe that you i sinead bunch of people all came in at this particular time in the middle of this mess for a particular reason? Oh, 100%. I'm 100% sure, like a thousand percent (laughs) sure that I came specifically for this. There's there's no no doubt in my mind because I remember actually certain things before I came and as I came and as a child and I, I remember exactly where I came and what I mean like so it's very very clear and sometimes I meet people and I can see exactly you know what they have come why they have come exactly at that time so I don't think you guys and I came to be sucked into the circus (laughs) you know it's like "Mm, I'm not signing up for that I don't think so I know myself better Yeah, and I think I think, you know, just the fact that we're sitting here right now having this conversation is proof of that, because there are lots and lots and lots of other people in our lives and in the world who are not in this field or thinking about any of this at all and may never think about it in this lifetime whatsoever. Everyone has their individual path and their individual you know, uh, purpose. So it certainly does not feel like an accident that here we are sitting here talking about this and that we're doing this kind of work, that all three of us are doing this kind of work in our own ways, but also that, you know, it's happening at this particular time. And we could, we could be having this conversation 10 years ago or 10 years from now, but it does seem awfully time, timely that the discoveries and ideas that are emerging from these conversations and research are meeting uh, what many people need right now in a way that it's never done before. 
Yes, and you have to realize that right now we are recording this conversation. And, you know, of course, we're talking about information, you know, so people can process it intellectually, like, you know, on a cognitive level. But we're also broadcasting energy and a frequency. And so, you know, even though we're doing it at a certain time and some people are going to hear it tomorrow or in whatever, or six months from now, that vibration is, is already there and it will stay there. I, I really want to point this out because a lot of people feel that they're trying so hard to do something and it's not making a difference. And it's like, oh, I'm doing this podcast blah, 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 and it's like, nobody is anybody hearing me. We, we are energy beings. And every time I speak a word, you saw that in the movie, how it's not just about the word, it's the energy behind the word is a frequency is this very, very deliberate, specific frequency that interacts right away, instantaneously with the fabric of time space. It's within, it, it kind of integrates within the fabric of time space instantaneously faster than the speed of light. Same with my thought. And when it does that, it, it integrates within the collective consciousness instantaneously. So we are continuously kind of pouring into the collective field, new information, adding, uh, evolving the collective consciousness, even though we're sitting in our little homes right now, thinking that we're separate. I just wanted to kind of bring that up and, and tell you and remind you how important your work is to keep speaking, just keep speaking, whether you see the disclosure in this way or that way tomorrow, or doesn't matter. You know, when you think globally, that's how. Uh, yeah, yeah, I so agree. I so agree. I mean, each one of us is far, far, far more energetic, vibrational and powerful than we can understand with the conditioning we're given in this lifetime. So um, also, you know, so much appreciation for what you're doing, Caroline, because you're definitely spreading the message and putting this out there and helping people to realize this. So touching on that. Uh, you know, we're talking a lot about how things are going to grow and change and what the progress of all of this is and what things could look like, you know, what may be upcoming. That makes me think of generations and that makes me think of children. And you are doing some work with children that is related to a topic of great interest for Grant and I, which is psychic seeing, seeing with the mind. Uh, that certainly seems to be, of course, this has been around for a very, very long time in many ways that people have not been aware of. There's been a lot of stigma around it. But um, it certainly does seem to be part of the wave of the future in terms of us coming into a greater understanding and awareness and empowerment of what our energy fields through our minds can do. And our minds are not our physical brains, of course. So if you could start talking about the work that you're doing with these children, uh, and that would be really something. I understand that your main trainer, Bodan, has trained with people in Romania who have been doing this for a very, very long time. So maybe you can start with the kind of origin story and then take it from there. Yeah, so actually I stumbled on this myself. I was in the field of, con as you know, as field of consciousness. My, I was making the movie Superhuman, The Invisible Made Visible. And I was doing all kinds of experiments in the film. And then I stumbled on the first kids in um, the UK first. And when I first saw it, because, you know, there's a lot of stuff on YouTube, you know, like, is this for real? I saw stuff in India. So anyway, I went and I, because I was in Europe that summer and I went and I saw them myself. And I was like, wait, this is real. And, you know, these kids, I mean, I would hold up stuff. They didn't know what I was going to 
show. They didn't know. I, you know, looked at the, you know, the mask itself, completely dark. Um, they would do, they would run and do the play ball. I mean, do all kinds of stuff. So it's not like people will say, well, they memorized the book. Uh, no, because I would write certain things. They didn't know what I was writing. And then is, they, is, they, this, they, at, is this at Nicola Farmer's ICU yes, Academy? Yes, okay. yes. Okay. So that was my first experience, which blew me away. And so, so since then I said, okay, well, if this is possible, this means that consciousness is uh, basically uh, bypassing the human brain, is, is, is tapping into stuff. So this could be the ultimate proof, if you will, or validation, demonstration that this is possible. So then I started investigating other groups and I stumbled on the guys in Romania, the guys in, in Utah and the guys in Australia and a little bit everywhere. And so, so, so anyway, I realized, uh, okay, wait, not only can you read, but you can see behind your head, you can see, you know, like, so, so, so it, it just kind of got more and more and more impressive. And so, and, and, and mo more importantly, it wasn't one methodology, by the way, they all teach different methodologies, different ways, yet getting to the same result. So this means that it's not only one trick. There are many ways that you can train your consciousness to do something like that. So eventually I started, because I've been training people to do all kinds of stuff. I thought, oh, well, let's see if we can do it. And so Bodan had, had uh, worked, uh, he's the, he trained with the Romanian uh, group. And so, so since he worked a lot with children, um, we, and then with the pandemic and all that stuff, I said, let's do it online. He said, well, we can't, we've never done it online. Like we, this is like, we have to be with them 10 days. I'm like, well, let's just try it because this is consciousness. It's non-local, you know, if it doesn't work, we'll give people the money back. And, you know, but I was so sure because I've been doing remote things forever, you know? So anyway, sure enough, from the first online, the first session, the kids would see color, they would read. I mean, it's crazy. After four sessions, they were totally able to see everything uh, with the kids. And I said, well, let me see if I can do it with adults. Uh, because like I said, I have a lot of experience training, doing different things. And so I, I ended up leading a whole class of adults. Of course, it takes much longer for, for adults to. And sure enough, I have two adults online you know so with that you know just like uh which is much harder uh, they can see and read everything everything and even from the first class they could see color now to be fair not everybody in the class was as successful so there's different but certain people uh, i think three of them I, I think they could read and do everything you know from this one class which is mind-blowing i mean like how, and then we also did a conference online. I'm not sure, Grant, if you were on that, I'll send you the links. In that conference, we did a live demonstration. So, so we videotaped them uh, through Zoom. We could see them on the camera. And we also had another camera showing that there was nobody around them, that nobody was tricking or teaching, whatever. I would hold up cards. I would hold up. I mean, we would, I would write things. People from the audience, you know, would say, would do things. And so it was totally uh, spontaneous and they would nail it. I have it on tape. I mean, it's all on tape. You know how that works. 
That's amazing, Caroline. If actually, if you could send us the link for that, then we can post yeah. it underneath the YouTube video for this interview once that's posted and Grant can include it in the podcast post as well. Yeah, yeah that sounds incredible. It's really remarkable work. And I know Grant has a bunch of questions about this. Grant, go for it. Yeah, I, I'm, I just was like you. I was fascinated when I saw it. And I immediately determined that this is when you have near-death experience, when people say, oh, I could see the doctor, I could hear what they're what they're saying and stuff. And I said, this is what's happening in near-death experience. And the concept is that the mind is outside the brain and it's using the brain as a receiver, sender, this sort of thing. Have you worked with anybody like um, Ions Institute is supposed to be looking at this? Do you think this is really going to catch on? Because I tried to promote like the Australians and, and I promoted those kids, put up some of their videos and stuff, the kid driving the car and stuff like that. And um, I, I said we should actually have make this into sort of like a game, have a, a worldwide Olympics. And I said, are the Americans ready for this? The, and the Australians, as I mentioned before, I actually built this entire obstacle course in a, in a yard with all these colored bean, bean bags and things to throw at and stuff like that. And it just seems like something that would ref, revolutionize the world because it absolutely tips the whole material paradigm on its head. Like you, how do you explain what these people are doing? Yeah, exactly. And so um, I think uh, exactly. And when you witness it yourself, it's, it's, it cannot be more convincing. So by the way, speaking of ions, you know, uh, Dean Radin was in that conference. I'm going to send you the link. You, you can watch it. And uh, he was, he's also in my movie and he was, fa he's fascinated with the subject. And we, we thought we were going to study this phenomenon because I mean, you can tell there's no cheating, but they don't know how it's working. So so we talked about do, doing an actual investigation study, scientific, you know, um, research and something with, with that whole thing. So, but we didn't really follow through because then we got busy and stuff. But uh, anyway, what I'm saying is they are taking it seriously. And, um, you know, at one point we'll probably just do something. And uh, definitely, I think uh, we should do, we should demonstrate this. We should publicize this yeah. because what happens, it's not, see, it's not about reading blindfolded. I mean, you have eyes, you can read. That's not the point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The point is that you are training your brain to do something it's not supposed to do technically. So if you can do that in reading, therefore you can train it to do just about anything. And that's the idea. Plus the side effects, you know, as you know, as you're going through the training for kids, for example, they're, they're more confident, they're more, um, they're calmer. There are all kinds of, apparently also, I'm not, I don't have that experience myself, but um, apparently it helps a lot with autistic kids, uh, ADHD and things like that. Um, so, but in my class, that's the one experience that I have directly. Um, I had one person who had an eye, an actual eye issue, uh, which she can see with one eye. I can't remember what the medical condition was. And so, and it wasn't, uh, that wasn't her focus. The idea, she was just going through the training. And I think after the third session, if I recall, it's, it's on video. I mean, it's in the classes, it's recorded. Her medical condition, which she's, she had for 10 years or something, was gone. Wow. So, so, so what's happening? So, so the brain is compensating somehow. It's repairing itself somehow. It's doing things 
uh, in a positive way. So that's what I love about this. It's not a bad, this is not a magic trick. This is not, and when people say, oh, a magician can do it, therefore it's not real. The fact that a magician can duplicate doesn't mean it's not real. It just means that they can duplicate it. And, you know, so, so, but what I'm saying is when you go through the training, uh, the brain seems to function at a much higher level of awareness, which then trigger all sorts of adjustments and repairs and things like that. So I absolutely think we need to publicize this as much as possible. Have you had any of the uh, bizarre, um, like a lot of these kids will talk about being precognitive. And the one I was interested in, because um, Sinead has lost her hearing, you may, you may have been fooled by her, but um, the, a lot of the kids, especially the Nicola kids, two of them said at one point, and they were just on camera, and I'm probably the only one who picked it up, is they said, my hearing got better. I could hear stuff a mile away. Two kids said exactly that, this idea that it improves everything you're hearing, you're, you're seeing uh, the kids, you know, they're picking up stuff. Uh, they see stuff around the corner when they're driving and saying something's around the corner, stuff like that. And it's almost like you're tapping into a, the actual field of consciousness other than the brain and that it's picking up all this stuff. Have you run into these, these kind of bizarre uh, paranormal things that, that with these with training people? Yeah, absolutely. But just going to even on a physiological level, I know the Romanian folks worked with an actual deaf person and apparently uh, they reversed the, the condition using. So which is, again, like it doesn't even make sense. What? You're blindfolded, then you get to hear. So you know what I mean? So there's so much that we the brain is compensating. The brain is self-repairing through you know these techniques so so what i'm saying even even on a physiological level but to answer your question grant about experiences yeah these kids actually uh, nicolas kids when you hear them talk it's incredible this kid was telling me how he remembers the planet he came from you know his past life um you know and this other kid was talking about that it's all energy. I mean, she's talking like she's Nikola Tesla. I mean, you know, so, so it's one thing, you know, when people say, oh, kids have good imagination. They think they were on some star planet. Yeah, no, you can tell when they're making stuff up and when, when they're talking like Nikola, when they're talking about energy and the way energy moves and stuff like that, you can tell they're not repeating somebody else's words. They are, they are understanding, they're tapping into, uh, you know, consciousness, the bigger um, aspect of consciousness, they're understanding the phenomenon on a much higher level. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I really enjoy too, is that, you know, whether someone's a child or an adult, we've seen this many, many, many times, Grant and I in our interview. So I know you would have seen this and many other people in the field have talked about it as well. That, you know, we have these experiences, what you've just said about uh, the example of that one um, young person remembering the planet that they came from. But what I what I love and I find fascinating and inspiring and really kind of uh, expanding as a thought, as an idea and as something that's evidential is that very rarely are we surprised. You know, there's there's yeah. the feeling of surprise. It's more of this feeling of familiarity. Like this is really old, old knowledge. This is something that we know deep, deep, deep in ourselves. It's something that we recognize rather than suddenly learning it from some, you know, out of nowhere, even though it might initially perhaps feel that way. But then we, re we realize and recognize that it's something that is very ancient that we 
are able to sense in ourselves and see in ourselves and kind of go, oh, I know you, right? And not only that, but it allows us to recognize that in others as well. And that's partially what's built our community is people recognizing each other in this way, right? Having this mutual understanding and this feeling of, yeah, there's this ancient, ancient feeling to all of this knowledge, all this understanding. So while it may be arising now and developing and new things may be coming from it, it's still something that is not just starting now. This is something that's been around in us for a very long time. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I mean, as you know, you know, just going to ancient cultures and things like that, we know that that's a fact. But, you know, I was one of these kids. I mean, I, I you know, I mean, I know it's real. I mean, I remember I would have experiences when I was 10. I was conscious of certain things that now looking back, you know, I realized that a typical 10 year old doesn't think that way, you know. So but if if uh, kids just allow this channel to stay open, it be, it's, it's such a beautiful um, natural thing, you know. And so and when we hear them talk this way we we believe them because it's coming from their experience it's not it's not made up you know so uh yeah it's uh, i think the next generation i mean the this generation is already here and the next ones will continue to um think that it's this is just normal you know where do you see that going like where do, how do you see this kind of knowledge and this experience this skill set how do you see it permeating into our societies our cultures you know how we interact with each other maybe how we interact with the planet with animals how do you see this expanding i think it's becoming more and more mainstream i mean i remember 20 years ago when i would tell people i eat like organic and i'm vegan like people would be like rolling their eyes and be like okay whatever you know like yeah, you know where are your beads and are you going to be drumming and i wasn't like that i was just like that you know but now uh you know every street corner there is a yoga studio, there's a vegan this, there's an organic that, you know. I remember Whole Foods used to be a small, uh, it was called Mrs. Gucci's in Los Angeles. And I used to go, that was, I would go to that store and people would say, well, you're going to go all the way there. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to that store. And I would say, you'll see someday, you know, people would, like I said, roll their eyes, make fun of me. I didn't care. And that became, uh, you know, what Whole Foods is now. It's a giant thing. So all this to say in the same way right now we're still like what kids you know blindfolds whatever but soon enough it's gonna be like oh it's my kid does that my in fact that's what the movie's doing um so i get every day a bunch of emails grant you you have no idea tons of emails from people um, wanting their kids to learn they want to learn um, I mean, so, so, and these are all, and I'm talking, not people who are like in, you know, the spiritual new age. No, 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 no. I'm talking about judges, lawyers, medical doctors. You have no idea how many medical doctors, medical doctors, uh, you know, all kinds. So, so it's not necessarily, you know, people who are into this alternative, anything. Yeah. It's very and, dramatic. I just wanted to mention it's very dramatic when you watch, especially when the kids are going through the obstacle courses. I remember you had you you had the one in the video uh, where the kids are playing ping pong, and I went from every trainer. I said, "Is that your kid? Is that your kid?" And finally, the I think it was a Romanian said, 
yeah, that's the, that's our kid. And I said, that is the most dramatic thing I've ever seen, especially if you could get kids playing ping pong in the dark or something like that. It's very, very sort of, it's, it's not like, um, like a sermon or something where people sort of get bored. It's very, very entertaining to watch these kids. And if you realize this is for real, I think this is an almost like an ideal opportunity for for us to promote the idea that consciousness is not what you think it is. It's not as simple as material, look through your eyes, hear, stuff like that. It just sort of blows people away when they see this kind of stuff, when they realize that that may, if this is real, the world is a much different place than what we thought it was. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. That kid is, it's, it's mind blowing. And some people say, you know, the skeptics or whatever, oh, maybe there's a hole in the, in the mask. Well, okay. Well, you try putting a hole in the mask and get on a bike or on skates. You try that or try be so precise with the ping pong. I mean, it's like people try to like find ways to tell you this is impossible. And I think that's that's what's so fascinating is that this phenomenon, this blindfold and everything else I did in the movie actually uh, just keeps demonstrating that like what you're saying, consciousness is fundamental. Yeah. Talk about not, your talk about your documentaries because we're getting close to the end. So talk about the work that you've done and and the, and the, where people can get if they want training because you you've done a lot of very dramatic documenta- documentaries where people are sort of like wow 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 it's almost like a I don't know what you'd call it. it's like the um, um, what they call it Guinness Book of World Records where it's like this <laughs> happens and this happens and it's like really entertaining stuff where you're you're entertaining people as well as training them that it's not the world they think it is. So talk about your your documentaries that you've done. Yeah, thank you. So I think I'll stick to the last two. Uh, Among Us is the one that's more about the extraterrestrial contact. And I think a lot of people would love that because it's very visual. I talk about this range of different beings, the way they interact and you know how they're interacting and things like that. So that's Among Us and people can find it on, on Amazon. Um, but my favorite, obviously, is my last one, Superhuman, The Invisible Made Visible, also available on Amazon Prime. Um, they, so in that one, again, you know, people keep telling us your mind creates, your, your mind affects your body, your mind affects blah, blah, blah. We know this. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I know this. I want to go to the next step and I want to show I want to demonstrate, I want to prove, I want to validate that your consciousness is fundamental. It is your consciousness that makes your body do this or that. So in the movie, I have a series, like you're saying, of experiments. We go from one to the next, the next to the next, I kind of build it up. So we did an experiment with remote viewing. We did an experiment with um, affecting water, just looking at the uh, through intention. And of, of course, all the experiments were done scientifically, meaning in laboratory condition, Faraday cages, or creating baselines. This, this is not some little magic trick. This is done with serious scientists, with serious scientific parameters, just for people to know. So, so then we have the, the uh, we work with water, you know, changing the pH in water, uh, working with DNA, changing the electricity, the electrical conductivity in DNA. Uh, of course, of course, telekinesis, moving objects. You know, um, we do it in person, then we do it long distance, then we do it uh, in a Faraday cage. I mean, it's like, and then finally, I think, you know, we have the the, the blindfolds, which is, 
that segment is, I think, just like mind blowing. It's just mind blowing. So I really, and also I feel like while we were filming, you know, I kind of already knew because the crew, so, so it's already hard to get into that space, you know, where you want an object to move or whatever. And so on top of this, we have six cameras, we have cable, we have people watching, you know, you have crew members who don't know anything about this. And they're like looking at you and thinking, is she going to do it? Is this going to move? Is it? So they're like, you know, they're like bombarding you with all this like doubt and all this like, you know, so, so it's very hard to concentrate. And even under those conditions, we were manifesting crazy, crazy stuff. There's no tricks. It's all live. And so what would happen the the crew would be would have the reaction like wait i want to try it like i want to do this and so and so because of that i said people are going to have that reaction and i better be prepared so i already have tons of classes and stuff from my 20 years teaching but then i i created specific classes based on the film so that people could train themselves so we have the blindfold um training online we have the telekinesis online. We have, you know, spoon bending, all kinds of other training uh, that they can do online. And, uh, and they can find those uh, on the website, superhumanfilm.com. And uh, so, so the film is not just entertainment. It's not just educational. It's empowering. It's for you to say, what am I waiting for? I need to be doing this now. You know, it's like, so that's what I'm, what I really love about this film, that it helps you bring back your power, gives you hope, you know, gives you tools, tools, and so many things that you can do now to, you know, uh, improve your life. What are you working on now? Actually, I'm in production already. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been in production. Uh, secrets? A little bit. It's a UFO movie, of course, uh, because of the you know timing. I was going to do the sequel of Superhuman, but then I changed course last year when I saw what's going on. And I got the inspiration to do something very different with the UFO uh, phenomenon. So I'm very, it, I'm doing something in this film that no one's done before. Let me just say it that way. And so, uh, exciting, exciting. Yeah. I'll be, I'm in production right now. We should be post the end of the year. So we'll see how quickly we can turn this around. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you, Caroline. Yeah. So is, there, is there anything else you'd like to say just before we thank you so much for your time and your knowledge and wisdom and insight and for sharing that with us, with, uh, with Grant and I and with his audience? Is there anything else that you'd like to leave his audience with? Um, maybe like a little nugget of gold that you'd like people to take home with them. You've already given them so much. You've already given us so much. But just in case there's anything else you'd like to touch on, we wanted to give you that opportunity before saying goodnight. I just want to say that, what are you waiting for? <laughs> you know, this is the time we've been talking about this, you know, and there's, we have, there's so much support. You know, these guys are doing an amazing job. There are many, many people offering tools and resources and ideas. And I think people need to stop worrying about what are they going to say about me? I believe in you. It's like, who cares? This is the time for you to speak up, tell your truth, come out, do your work, do your thing, empower yourself once and for all. I think this is the time 
more than ever before to take charge of your life. And how do you do that? Again, by believing that your consciousness, your mind is the one that creates your reality. So it's good to listen to all the news and to everything else. But at the end of the day, just go back within yourself and find your own truth, empower yourself and say, this is the reality I want to create myself uh, for myself and with the help of many others. So and of course, good. watch my movies. <laughs> and definitely watch your movies. Your movies are wonderful. Your movies really are wonderful. And Caroline, honestly, that was so beautifully said. Um, that is such a wonderful message to leave the audience with. So thank you so much for that. And also just for your time and, and all the wonderful gold that you gave us during this hour long interview. It was wonderful talking to you. And honestly, the work that you're doing, you know, this goes without saying is such incredibly uh, important work. It's so progressive. You know, we, we see it, the education system is something that is uh, in dire need, I do anyways, a public educator in dire need of change. And we spoke with Adam Apollo recently about education as well and how education needs to change, right? We, need, we really need to evolve how we're learning as well as what we're learning and you are doing that. So big, big, big thanks for that and for your time. And Grant, of course, thank you for letting me do this with you. It's always a joy. Yeah, and it was, a, it was an honor. It's one of the things I find in ufology that's interesting is I get to meet people like Carolyn, that uh, just absolutely stunning honor to have met you and to have shared with you. And uh, uh, just to let you know that um, we now have, uh, Sinead and I both have blindfolds. So we'll be working on this and uh, maybe uh, we, Sinead can go into your next movie and uh, she can be hearing and uh, we'll have some interesting stuff to tell people. That uh, have you not something. taken the training, Grant? No, we haven't. We, we I've been, I've, I've been fascinated to tr find the trainers to, to get the okay. series. Like, what are you, what are you teaching and stuff like that? Okay. I'm going to offer you both uh, my series. Okay. Ooh. If, if you have the blindfold, I'm just going to offer it to you because I'm very grateful for your work as well. Grant, thank you so much. You need this first time we meet, but if you're working together, thank you so much. Very grateful. I'm going to offer you the class. So I'll send oh you God. an email and then just play with it. Just have fun with it. Wow. Well, yeah. we're starting, we started this conversation with Christmas and we're ending it with Christmas as well. Awesome. Here we go. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. This was awesome. You guys uh, are amazing. It's been an honor. Beautiful. <laughs>